Section 35. The General as a Writer. Part 1. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Hirsch. None of us have yet any idea how voluminous a writer the general was, because so much of his writing was in the form of contributions to our many publications or of letters to officers. We can only insert here a few specimens of what he wrote at various dates, and remark that in private letters there was always the very same flow of happy, earnest life, the same high ideal, as finds expression in the following extracts. In his Orders and Regulations for Field Officers, he says, It must always be remembered by the field officer, and by everyone who is desirous of producing any great moral or spiritual changes in men, that the example of the individual attempting this task will be much more powerful than the doctrines they set forth, or any particular methods they adopt for teaching those doctrines, however impressive these may be. The correctness of this statement has been proved over and over again in this Salvation War. Everywhere the people measured the truth and importance of what the field officer says by their estimate of his character. If he produces the impression in their minds that he is a mere talker or performer, they may listen to his message, and, if he has more than ordinary ability, treat him with a degree of respect. But, if this be all, he will be next to powerless in effecting any great change in their hearts and lives. On the other hand, where the life of the field officer convinces his soldiers that he is himself what he wants them to be, truly devoted to God, it will be found that he will possess a marvelous mastery over their hearts and characters. In other words, if he makes his soldiers feel that he is real and consecrated, he will be able to lead them almost at will. They will follow him to the death. The same shot with the same charge of gunpowder from a rifled cannon will produce ten times a greater effect than from one with a smooth bore. The make of the gun gives the extra force to the shot. Just in the same way, the truth from the lips of a man whom his hearers believe to be holy and true will strike with a hundredfold more force than the same message will from another who has not so commended himself. The character of the man gives the extra force to the truth. The field officer, by virtue of his position, stands out before his soldiers more prominently than any other man. To them he is the ambassador and representative of God. He is their captain, their brother and friend. Their eyes are on him night and day. They regard him as the pattern expressly set for them to copy, the leader who at all times it is their bounden duty to follow. How important it is, therefore, that every officer should be careful to perfect his character to the utmost in order that he may be useful to the fullest extent. The field officer must lead his soldiers on to the full realization of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He must make them blood and fire. The work of the Spirit is to fill the soul with burning zeal for the salvation of the world. Christ's work must be finished. He has left that task to his people. 
it can only be continued and carried on to completion by his spirit working in the hearts and through the lives of his people the holy ghost was promised for this end this is what his people have therefore a right to expect and without it they are powerless for the war in order that his soldiers may be effective the field officer must not only act for the purification of his soldiers but to have them filled with the spirit of christ in order that they may be competent for the mighty work they have to accomplish this will make them wise they will understand how to fight what to say what to sing how to pray how to talk to the consciences and hearts of men the spirit of god will lead them into right methods of action will show them how to make opportunities and how to put these opportunities to the best use when they are made the holy spirit will give them perseverance keeping them going on in the face of difficulty the holy spirit will give them power making them not only willing to endure the cross but to glory in it the holy spirit will give them the fire of love the seraphic spirit the live coal from off the altar making them both burn and shine with this they will come to knee drill to the open air to face mocking crowds and to endure the scorn and hatred and persecution of men not merely from a sense of duty dragging themselves to it because it is the will of god or for the good of the army or as an example to their comrades or even for the salvation of souls but because they love it and cannot stay away this baptism will be a fire in their bones which must have vent it will be a spirit that must have a voice it will be a love a burning love in the heart which all the waters that earth and hell can pour upon it cannot quench a love with which no other love can compare it will be the savior again loving a dying world through his people it will be christ indeed come again in the flesh the soldiers must be baptized with fire it will give them the soldier's spirit and with that all a soldier needs in the way of drill and duty and sacrifice will inevitably follow in his letter to his officers on his 80th birthday he wrote on the coming 10th of april in many lands and in many ways the officers soldiers and friends of the salvation army will be celebrating my 80th birthday the occasion is one which inspires in me many deep emotions and next to the gratitude i feel to almighty god for the unmeasured blessings he has been pleased to vouchsafe to me i find the desire to write and tell you my dear officers something of the love and sympathy ever welling up in my heart toward you the times and friends of long ago are sometimes said to have been brighter or better than those of today this may have been the experience of some it has not been mine it is true that in the early years of my salvation warfare there were battlings and victories of deep interest and value but no conflicts or triumphs in those far back times exceeded or indeed equaled in value and interest the conflicts and triumphs of my later days it is true that from the beginning i have been associated with many remarkable men and women men and women whose ability affection and devotion to god 
have been of the greatest service to me. But with perhaps one or two exceptions, I have had no co-workers who have excelled or even equaled in ability, in affection, or devotion the comrades who at the present hour are struggling with me all over the world for the highest well-being of their fellows and for the advancement of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sixty-five years ago I chose the salvation of men and the extension of the kingdom of Jesus Christ as the supreme object for which I would live and labor. Although that choice was made in my early youth, in much ignorance of the world and of the religious needs of those about me, still it was not arrived at without much thought and some information. And that purpose is still, and will be to the end, the object which has shaped and mastered the thoughts, ambitions, and activities of my whole life. From the hour of my first prayer meetings in one of the cottage homes of my native town, down to the present moment, that object has been the governing principle of my life. The adornments and flowers and music and other pleasant things connected with religious service have all been secondary to efficiency in the search for that object and success in attaining it. My hourly usage with regard to every effort I put forth has been to ask myself, what does this action contemplate? What will it achieve? Can it be improved upon? I believe I can say that every conversation and prayer and song and address and meeting I have had a hand in have been valued in proportion to their ability to promote the realization of that great purpose. No greater mistake can be made with respect to the Salvation Army than to suppose that it is not a school for thought. Perhaps more theories have been produced and more schemes invented by us for gaining the highest ends of the Christian faith, bearing in mind our age and the extent of our work, than by any other religious movement in existence. Indeed, as I have often said in public, when we have so many thousands of hearts inflamed with the love of Christ for sinning, suffering, and dying men, and possessed with a passionate desire for their rescue, you must have the constant evolution of new plans and contrivances for that purpose. But while thus inventive, the army does not content itself with hopes and theories merely. It seeks to put every fresh idea to the test of practical application, waiting for the issue before it regards it of permanent value. At least that has been my own usage and the practical character of my mind and work has come to be generally allowed. While, then, I glory in the fact that our religion is divine in origin and manifestation, I equally maintain the necessity for human skill, human energy, and human enterprise in the efforts put forth to establish and extend it. And accordingly, I have only adopted any efforts so far as they have proved themselves effective in the school of experience. So with this confidence in my convictions, I proceed once more to push them upon your attention. In the Orders and Regulations for Soldiers, perhaps the concisest description of earnest living ever written, he says, The salvation soldier must have been converted or changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
from the old, worldly, selfish, sinful nature to the new, holy, heavenly, divine nature. And not only must he thus have received a new heart, but he must have the Holy Spirit living in that heart, possessing it, and working through it, to will and to do the good pleasure of God. This is the first and main condition of soldiership. It is understood that every soldier has come into the possession of this true religion by passing through that change which is usually described in the army as being saved. There is nothing more common throughout our ranks than the expression, I am glad I am saved. As it is impossible for a salvation soldier to perform the duties hereafter set forth with satisfaction to himself and profit to others, unless this change has been experienced, it will be well to describe it rather particularly, so that every soldier who reads these regulations will be able to satisfy himself whether he has really undergone this change. If on reading this description, any soldier should have reason to believe that he has not experienced this change and is still in his sins, or that he has been unfaithful since he did realize it, and is therefore a backslider, the first business of such a one will be to go to God and seek salvation. Otherwise it will be impossible for him to be a good soldier. Salvation implies the devotion of the whole life to the accomplishment of the purpose for which Christ lived and suffered and died. It means that the soldier becomes his disciple. Enlisting in his army, the soldier receives not only power to walk in his commandments for himself, but to subdue other men to the Lord. His new nature now continually cries out, What wilt thou have me do? and carries him forth with the feet of cheerful obedience in the service of his new master, to weep and suffer, and, if necessary, to die to bring others into the enjoyment of the salvation which he himself has found. He lives the same kind of life and is actuated by the same purposes as God himself. End of section 35 Recording by Tom Hirsch